Franchised is presented by Fakeship.net with support from Emrysell. If you're looking to buy an iPhone, iPad, MacBook or any other Apple product, visit Emrysell today. They offer refurbished, top-of-the-line and next-to-new Apple products at a fraction of the regular price. And if you're looking to sell an Apple product, they'll buy them off you too. Visit emrysell.com.au. On this episode of Franchise, we look back at the series, which was a video staple amongst fans in the 80s and the 90s, and introduce the world to one of Hollywood's biggest A-listers. Hi there, my name's Glenn, I'm here with Jarrett, we're from Fakeshemp.net, and with an all-new instalment on the way, we thought it was time to look back at those little furball fuckers and the weird-ass bounty hunters hot on their trail, so strap in and join us as we take a trip to Grover's Bend and munch our way through everything that is critters. <laughs> Well, I think I have a frush. What the fuck is a frush? Farewell, dear shithead. The Libyans! No fucking shit, lady! Do I sound like I'm wearing a piece of shit? in the galaxy. They chose ours. They're hungry. And we are their favorite food. Critters. They bite. Rated PG-13. Critters open Friday at a theater near you. How you going, Jarrett? Good, sir. Very, very good. Now, Critters has got to be up your alley. Uh, yes. Definitely Critters is definitely up my alley. Good. Critters won, that okay. is. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm interested to see where this goes, but let's yeah. start at that point. 1986, mm. Critters was directed by Stephen Herrick, who is also known for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Jarrett's favourite, Don't Tell Mum the Babysitter's Dead. That is a great film. I, I know, I knew you'd say that. Dishes are done, dude. <laughs> There's an F-bomb in that PG movie. Yeah. The Mighty Ducks, Mr. Holland's Opus. Jesus. Yeah, 101 Dalmatians and even Holy Man with Eddie Murphy. <gasps> I love Holy Man. Man, I know you do. And God, most... that's a really good filmography. Well, until he uh, oh. he's found himself now directing DTV titles like Dolly Parton's Christmas of Many Colours. Part 1 and 2. <laughs> the Cutting Edge Part 4 and Into the Blue Part 2. I know, I can't believe that they, they kept making Cutting Edge films. I knew that they did a DTV Dude, sequel, but I read a while ago they did a 3 and a 4. What and I'm like, is with what? this constant disrespect of filmmakers that have actually done wonders for the studios? Mm. They've you know delivered the goods over yeah. and over again, and yet in today's world of, you know... Limited theatrical, zero theatrical. Yeah. They're just banished to these shit outs. Slapping it to DTV sequels to films that were never really massively popular to begin with. This guy's owed more than that. Totally. Yeah, it's odd that he never came back into the genre territory again. Yeah, exactly. So, like, his catalogue's done a lot of comedy and... I know, I know. And it's uh, Mr. Holland's opus. Yeah. Like, I mean, he directed that. That was a massive film. Massive film. Like, arguably gave, you know, Richard Dreyfuss that kind of, like, resurgence in his career. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, up until the recent allegations, which we won't touch on. So we <laughs> well, don't talk even, about that stuff on we this don't show. Talk about that. <laughs> even uh, One Hundred One Dalmatians was a big film at the time. I did. I saw it theatrical. Wasn't a massive fan. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's a huge film. It like was, it was one of the. That was actually one of those first live action adaptations of a Disney film. I forgot was. that they'd done that stuff. Mm. But it was also yeah. a 
cult film, like I, you know, in my mm. video store. It's one that was very, very popular. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Glenn Close was killer in it. Yeah, yeah it's Cruella. Terrifying. So the film Critters, it stars D. Wallace. Everyone loves D. Wallace. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh, Billy Zane, Scott yes. Grimes, and Lynn Shay. And of course, Mr. Don Opper, who has pretty much been the stalwart right through this whole series. He's mm. championed this all the way. I kind of consider Don Opper to be like the. Reggie Bannister of Phantasm or the yeah. Michael Gross of yeah. Tremors. Like, it's the the secondary character from the first film that ends up carrying the entire series yeah, right through absolutely. to the end. Absolutely. Uh, so, I love Don Opper. And also, Terrence Mann appears in all four, albeit in limited capacity in the, right. in the final two. Of course, of course. Yeah, so I think um, it just opens up with that wonderful retro red New Line logo. Like, there's something uh, yeah, very nostalgic yeah, about this film. The vintage New Line logo. Absolutely. And the movie itself throws back to that creature feature style of film from the 50s and 60s set in the small town of Grover's Bend they become overcome by ravenous furball aliens called the Krites who escape from a space prison transport vessel hijack the spaceship escape pod and land on Earth uh, with an appetite to boot uh, two bounty hunters are then sent they arrive on Earth hot on the trail and these um, these bounty hunters can take the form of humans one takes the form of a famous rock star which is the Terrence Mann character uh, and they provide the movie pretty much with its seek and destroy narrative. I adore this film. I think it's fantastic. I it's love a, the first Critters. My love first it. memory of Critters was... Do you remember, I think Channel 9 particularly used to do movies not too far mm-hmm. after Home Entertainment release and they do yep. them at 11 o'clock at night. Yes, yes, yes. That's where I first saw it and then went back and got it on video. Right, So right. we stayed up at about 11 o'clock at night. My dad right. let me stay up and we nice. watched Critters together. And very it cool. was just one of those memories that I just hold very true. It's... It scared me, but I, I recognised the the humour. Yep, yep. My dad would read those subtitles out to me when the critters are talking oh, to each of other. Of course, yeah. And yeah. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had recognised Billy Zane from other things. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think at that point in time, I may have already seen Dead Calm because that's yes. another late night movie. Drive in with my dad. Yeah, that that's one. another one my parents let mm. me watch. And classic. I remember him as that classic bad guy. Ah, such a good bad so guy. So he was already in my sort of psyche. And everything about it, I just you know, I love the puppets. You know, it came off the back of Gremlins. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So many other films. We got Ghoulies and Munchies and Tremors and Hobgoblins and Troll and all these other things. And I think, pretty much, Critters is the be all and end all of those knockoff type knock-off, cash in yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's right up there. The fact that it's practical. You know, these critters. Uh, you can tell when there's hands in puppets behind. You know, yeah, yeah. furniture. I love that. It's a very graphic film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, for, it's a PG yeah. film, but it's graphic in that Indiana Jones face melt sense. Like, there's a lot yeah, of that true. kind of stuff true. going on here, which I think is amazing. When the bounty hunters morph their faces, oh yeah, yeah, it's all liquidy. Very cool, and that's very yeah, Indiana Jones. Cool and stuff like that. practical effects. But anyway, I, I ran away with myself there. Yeah. What, what are your memories of Critters? The critters. Well, I I I remember the very first time I saw it at the video store was when it was on new release and it was at a video store that I think was near the fish and chip shop. Yeah. So we'd go in and look at the videos while we waited for the fish and chips. Yeah. But we only joined that video store many years later. It was very close to us, but my old man, for whatever reason, didn't want to join it. It had very small selection of videos. Yeah, yeah. But they had it on new release and I hadn't seen it at our video store yet. And I'm like, you got to join. We've got to rent it. We've got to rent <laughs> it. And the old man's like, it'll be at our video store. Just wait. We'll get yeah. it another night. 
and me just like going, no, this is new. I've never seen it. I didn't know it existed. The yeah. artwork was immediately appealing. Absolutely. We did join that video store later to rent Alone in the Dark, the film with Donald Pleasance and yeah. Matthew, um, wow. Martin Landau. Wow. Um, it was great. And that was yeah. one of the few video stores for some reason that carried The Shining. The Shining is very hard to find on video back in the day for yeah. whatever reason. But anyway, we did rent it out on video probably that following week. Actually, I think I remember coming home from school and Dad had it out for us and we, we watched it. And um, I dug it because it was like kind of rural horror, you know, it was just, it was a throwback kind of film. Very kind of throwback. felt like a 50s, 60s yep. kind of horror movie um, with a lot of humor. It had Dee Wallace, who I had a massive crush on as a kid. Yeah. Um, you know, it had a, a kid character that I could kind of identify with, which was a big thing for me. Um, and yeah, I just, I was just, I thoroughly dug it because it felt like a nastier version of Gremlins. And Gremlins was one of my all time favorite films as a kid. Yep. Um, so yeah, I was like hook, line, and sinker from the get go with the original critters. And, I think immediately after we saw it, my dad would just always go, you know, how about those bloody crites? Yeah, it would be funny because he'd say crites. I know, it's such a cool name. Yeah. Like, it's such a cool name. But um, yeah, that was my first experience seeing it and knowing we couldn't rent it because it was that video, so we couldn't, and having to wait a week, which was like an eternity for a kid. And it's that kind of horror that's accessible to kids. But when you do actually get access to it, you kind of still feel like this is probably a bit too much for me. You know, I'm watching a grown up horror film. This is amazing. Yeah. and there's that whole, like you said, the rural aspect. Movies mm. like this always took place in rural environments. Totally. Because it's, a, you know, that environment you can get away with doing a lot of stuff because you don't yeah. have to have large scale, which is the opposite of the films you see these days. Yeah. It's like, set it in a city, make everything blow up. It's the end of the world. Yeah. And you're like, why can't I just be in a small town and we just start like, kind of like, you know, other films like even Invaders from Mars, you know, Hooper's Invaders from Mars, like just do it on this rural sort of, which was right around the same time that movie yeah. was made. Well, I guess the answer to that question yeah. is why, you know, why do they make it rural? They answer that number Production. three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what true. happens when you don't go rural? Totally. Um, but interestingly, we can actually throw this one right back to a bit of Charles Band connection here. Right. Because firstly, Critters was conceived long before Gremlins. The script for this was written way before, and it just, you know, no one wanted to do it because right. it's, it's been done before, you know, with all these alien films, you know, back then. But then Gremlins came along, and suddenly, oh, we've just put a one word title against it. And that's the other thing. Those knockoff yeah. films all have one title, one True. word titles. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the Charles Band tie is that the writer of Critters was Dominic Muir. I think that's how you pronounce his surname. Right. M U I R. I think that's Muir. Um, he created franchises like Ginger Dead Man and Evil Bong. Oh God, yeah. So he is, yeah, he is. Like he Charlie even, um, he even wrote the Puppet buddy. Master Axis of Evil. Oh, okay, right. So the Which, guy behind yeah, Critters is right. that guy. That one's got one of the um, one of the reality stars of um, <laughs> Vanderpump Rules in it. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but he um, he he passed away in 2010, so right. that's, you know, he didn't get to uh, do anything else pro- other than the Full Moon stuff, but. What in general does Critters mean to you? Like, is this one that you do revisit often? Yeah, totally, because I kind of forget the movie. I always think in my head that it is kind of like Gremlins. It's more outwardly funny and that sort of stuff. And then yeah. I'll revisit and I'm like, oh, this film's kind of dark. You yeah, know, It yeah. is quite dark. And the way the family are savaged by, you know, the well, kills, is savaged the by kills are intense. The, the husband, you know, like... It's pretty violent, you know, um, and so I always kind of forget that it's that dark. And so when I revisit it, I'm like, oh yeah, it is. It's definitely more toward that horror angle with some lighter moments, yeah. just to 
you know, probably to get it across the line to get it what it would have been in the States where it was a PG-13 or... But it's always you know. shot at night. It's always... Yeah, it's all very, very dark. Yeah. In its, you know, it's lit really well. Yeah. For a film at, at night, it's predominantly night time, it has some really great lighting and just... Yeah, it's a really nice packaged horror comedy that is definitely weighing more for me as a horror film. And yeah. I love to, like, with the family film angle... You've got Scott Grimes as the hero of the film. Yeah, like yep. the teenage son is the yep. one that says that. It's not the, the older, the, the father. It's not the, yeah, you know, the, the, the horny boy, sister. The boyfriend or the horny sister. Yeah. It's a kid. So yeah. as a kid, you watch it, you connect totally immediately. Yeah. yeah. And he's and he's a dweeby kind of kid too. Which he made is it a all ginger. The more, he's the yeah. ginger. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and so, yeah, that, that's always going to work against him. Yeah. Did you know the, um, the critters themselves, their voices were a combination of French and Japanese? No. They just sort of amalgamated sort of together. No, I didn't have no idea. That's interesting. So I would be very curious to get someone who knows both of those languages to actually decipher what they're saying. What they're saying, yeah. It's got to be done. It's got to be out there. Yeah, surely. I only found that out recently, so that's kind of curious. But um, even more awesome for me and probably for you as well is Mm -hmm. that the the critters themselves were designed by the Teodo brothers. Yes. Who made Killer Clowns from Outer Space. They were behind um, the effects in Ernest Scared Stupid. Oh, one of your favourites. Which the killer clowns appear in. Uh, and they were even they did the effects for Team America. Oh, wow, well, okay. All the puppet stuff in that. And um, Sword and the Sorcerer, one of their first. Oh, Albert Pune. Yeah. Oh, wow, the Albert Pune connection. You can, you can guarantee I'll, I'll throw that connection. His name's going to be dropped in um, almost every fakeshem.net podcast. Well, that's yeah. a very intentional ploy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anything else you want to add about Critters? No, just like, you know, it. I remember the US art slightly different. It's got the family on the porch or whatever. But for us on video, it just was the always the key critter holding the sign that says, you know, critters and the tagline, you know, they bite. Yeah. And it was like, that's fucking That rad. is a very cool it's poster. Cool, you know. I don't really know the yeah. other one. The other one's weird. If you look it up on the net, like it's, yeah, it's, it's sort of one sheet design. It's the whole family sort of standing on the porch. And I think maybe D. Wallace even has like a shotgun in, oh, I do in the it. picture. I do yeah, yep. it's, a, it's an odd poster too, because it's also set like, a, like kind of like um, at dusk or something. Yeah. It's like, well, none of this movie really occurs at that time. Yeah. Um, but I do like the poster because the artistry is pretty cool on it. But I almost feel like maybe they were saving the reveal of the critter or something you yeah, know, in the US maybe. art. And here in Australia, they're like, we've got to sell it hard and Put other territories. Front, you know, that's it. That's, Look at the Tremors poster. You know? It had big jaws. and you know, Totally, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like a big fat Gremlins, Kevin boom. Bacon, you know. It's right it was there. a big fat monster on there. What's your favourite of the um, other than let's? Uh, I would assume Critters is your favourite of the Critters is my favourite of the franchise. Spin-offs. Oh no, sorry, of the yeah spin-offs. Right, okay, yeah. yes, oh, probably early review. Cash-ins, cash-in type movies. Yeah, I'd say Critters and because like here's the thing, Ghoulies, great in theory. Yeah. And every time I watch it, I find it a bit of a it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. Yeah. It's a bit of a you know. Yeah, I like, agree. Oh, it's not as good as the cover. I'd art. rather watch Ghoulies Three. I'd rather watch Ghoulies Two. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, um, yeah, without a doubt. Munchies was pretty fun. Munchies I have not seen since video in the 80s. And they had two a great cover art also as well. as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the little munchie with the fast food. Like yeah, and he's looking chips. up uh, the lady's dress, I think, as yeah. well. Like, There's some good classic kind <laughs> well, of Well, interestingly, art. the Munchies sequels, the two of those, um, were directed by Jim Wynorski. Right. And they were G-rated Were they produced by Charles Band or anything? Yes. They are, right. But okay. in that um, kids' line of... Yes, I've seen the artwork. I didn't even know that there was a connection between them. And there's I think, not. Um, there's not. There's not. Um, it's just they're just namesake sort of thing. Yep. Right. I think one's called. Actually, I think one's just called Munchie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Munchie Returns. Right. Um, okay. But they marketed it as sequels. And Wonowski directed them. Yeah. Chopping Malls, Jim Wonowski. That's right. Very cool. Very cool. Yes. 
It's another taste of terror. It's a second helping of horror. The fight is back. You can't go in there. Let's just go get help. Well, who are we going to call? Critter Busters? Critters 2. The main course. Rated PG-13. Now playing at a theater near you. Critters 2, The Main Course, 1988, directed by Mick Garris, written by Mick Garris and David Toy. Wow, isn't that incredible? That is incredible. incredible uh, this one yeah. also stars uh, Don Opper, Terrence Mann and Scott Grimes. They return. Lynn Shea also returns. I forgot to mention she was in the original. That's right, yeah. And she played, um, I think, the, the sheriff's secretary or the something secretary, like that. She's yeah. Bit of a precursor to Lucy from Twin Peaks, I think. Mm. That kind mm. of thing. She returns. Eddie Deason appears in this film as a uh, fast food waiter yeah. slash King of the morphed 80s. into bounty hunter. Eddie Deason, I'll tell you what, mm. that guy's a bit of a prick. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, we, we, I had some dealings with him on uh, Fake Champ a while ago. Oh, I kind of do. He's very political this. online, and if you don't align with his politics, then really? you're a fuckwit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so okay. um, anyway. I think that Mick Garris, in my opinion, or in my estimation, he mm. recaptured the tone of the first film. I think this one, if you watch it back-to-back, which I did, I kind of feel like it's a seamless continuation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like absolutely. the Town of Grover's Bend is essentially how we last saw it. How we left it, yeah. The tone of the film, mm. he shifted this one to daylight. Which is an yeah. incredible change because yes. not a lot of filmmakers were doing that at that time. I yeah. mean, that's the hardest time to pull off any type of horror. And, and granted, this one this one weighs more toward the comedy than the horror for me. Of course. But regardless, like, it's a bold decision to do that, Very. which is really cool. Which I think is awesome too because you, know, you could essentially call this part two, have it take place the very next day. True. And it would work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, you know, the actors are all a, different, uh, a little older. Scott Grimes. I mean, know, Scott was... Grimes had just grown up overnight. Yeah, like, he had. Considerably, it's like, huh, what? It's the same kid, but it's two now. years later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Don Opper's Charlie character has much more of a prevalent kind of role in this one Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, yeah. Which is good. I love his character in these films. Yeah, he's great. Um, he's a bit of a dimwit. In this one, though, he's um, he also plays the bounty hunter, you know, which is yeah, not quite That's his original right. character. Yeah. Uh, there's that cool scene where... They're stepping off the bus. Scott Grimes gets off the bus. Yep. And Don Opper meets himself. His yes, get yes, like, yes. And then walks around himself. That's which right. For the time, what yeah, an it's amazing an effect. Effect to pull off. Like for a film that's a, a number two in a you know, B movie yeah. kind of franchise is pretty cool. So the crux of this story: two years later, the alien race who protected Earth from the first movie, uh, they perform a sweep of the planet and detect that there are still quite life forms that exist. The two bounty hunters are then sent back to clean up their oversight, one of them being Charlie, a.k.a. Don Opper, and he plays the one that's a bit anxious about returning, but they also end up with some kind of hot chick bounty hunter with big tits. Yes. And, and Eddie Deason, of course, becomes a bounty hunter too. This is a yeah. strange, strange yeah. addition to this uh Where's he work? He works in the chicken shop? Yeah. The chicken coop or whatever it's called? I can't yes. remember what it is. Yeah. Like, even that, that's incredible. Like, he's done this whole branding for this fictitious, yep. you know, restaurant sort of stuff. There's really amazing touches in this film. Like, it's really... Set pieces are great. Really great. I think the best part of this entirely is the Easter setting. Yeah, it's the first, possibly the only horror film that, apart from the, maybe Easter Bunny, Kill, yes. Kill, and maybe um, Bunny the Killer, Rabbit. There have been something. a couple, but yeah. none of them... I don't know if they're set at none Easter. None of them though. have gained traction. No. This one is one of those... A bit like... Ernest Scared Stupid, where right. they play that every Halloween. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. On yeah. Facebook, it pops up every Halloween. Of course. I watched it on Easter this year. Ernest? No, uh, Critters 2, the main <laughs> course. Say, Halloween, I did no. actually watch it on I watched it on Easter Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Critters pops up every year without fail. I think the connection with Easter is ingenious in this. And you know, you've got the egg factor with these mm. cried eggs and the kids paint them. And these eggs with the kids doing the Easter egg hunt sort of hatch. Yeah, and, yeah. The, and the reverend attacked. taking the eggs. And, and the know. Easter bunny himself getting mauled to death by oh, Critters. Like, it is a nasty, nasty yeah. piece. But like you said, the tone is lighter. It's more comical. But I think, in a way, that makes it a much more diabolical film. Oh, absolutely. You can get away with a hell of a lot more. And the, the, the bounty hunter transformations are very cool. Like, their faces are projected. Yeah, 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 How yeah. How weird yeah. is that? It's really... It's like some kind of 90s David Bowie video. Yeah, it's really clever. It's pulled got, off really, really like well. they a white mesh over their faces, like yeah. a ski mask without yeah. holes, and then projected the actors' faces onto, onto that. it. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. I love it. For my money, though, the comedy... Kind of does let it down a little bit. Right. I think okay. there's a bit too much of it. Yeah, yeah. I think it plays too lighthearted at times. a little too hard. I mean, it's even got like a Freddy Krueger joke in there. Yeah, that's right. That's because it was New Line, New Line. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, there were a few Freddy Krueger jokes throughout the New Line range at that point in yeah, time. Of course, of course. Well, um, it's uh, what they call New Line, the house that Freddy built. Yeah, that's so it. It's understandable in that regard. So, what, what else do you have to take away with Critters 2? The main um, course. It's a cool subtitle. I, I actually really like the love interest. For um, Brad in this, yeah. her name's um, Megan, and I don't believe I saw the actress in a ton of things post this. But I did. There's a retro, the Blu-ray release of this yep. is phenomenal um, for the whole four films, in fact. But um, there's a retrospective interview. Um, it's part of a bigger sort of hour-long documentary, and she's in there talking about it. But she's terrific. But I think the hardest thing for me to swallow about the whole of Critters Two is how that character of Megan was attracted to Brad. <laughs> um, no, I know that sounds awful. That's that's just mean. But um, yeah. no, she was stunning, and she was like one of my crushes. I think I feel like every film that we're talking about, yeah. <laughs> talking about crushes, had and a sounds, lot of crushes, mate. Had a lot of crushes. Um, but yeah, look, I just you know, I thought it was a lot of fun. I remember you've joined up to a lot of video you know, stores too. I, a lot of video <laughs> stores. I remember seeing this being reviewed mm-hmm. on. I think it was. I I think it was actually the movie show. Funnily yep. enough. Yep. Um, and that being that taste of when you could actually get to see some footage from a film mm-hmm. that you hadn't seen previewed in yep. cinemas and me going, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. But knowing that there was no way my parents were going to take me to see Critters yeah. 2, that I would have to wait for video. Um, and yeah, it delivered. It was good. It was good to have a sequel that came so soon after the first one. I think in my childhood, all the sequels felt like they were eternity away. Like the Never Dead was 79 and Phantasm 2 was like, 87, Just 88. Out of your reach. It was a long time. Yeah. And Evil Dead was like 81, 82. And then Evil Dead 2 was like 87. Yeah, so you've got one of the first franchises you can really... It, the payoff was fast. Yeah. You know, and Friday the 13th, you know, yes, I had been watching them as they'd gone along. But because they started before I did, mm. in a way, I kind of like, you know, it was just, you knew it was coming. Yeah. So it didn't matter. Um, so that was two, a reward too. that maintains yeah. some integrity, you know. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that... Did wonders for the film too. Yeah. Having it come just two years after the original, not like, say, Godfather Part 2 and waiting for Godfather Part 3, you know, you don't have that same sort of, you know, judgmental eyes where, you know, your yep. expectation is set this far up. But the film plays fantastic. I mean, it is a great sequel. Um, and in a way, it's it's quite complementary to the Gremlins 2, the new batch, because it doesn't attempt to remake the first film. New batch it, main yeah, course, like yeah, you've got like, the, Yeah, the yeah absolutely. Yeah. It, does its, it does its own thing. And... Look, it beat the new batch 
like Gremlins came out in 84 and Gremlins 2 was like 89, I think. Yep. Um, so this film managed to actually come out with a sequel before, you know, I'm not taking into account Ghoulies. We we're not talking Ghoulies, no. but, you know, for I big think this films, is a better you know. sequel to Gremlins 2. I think Gremlins 2 yeah, is yeah. its own little beast it's and it's got its own film. little following. I mean, it does. It has a massive but following. But it's not a good sequel to the first film. No, it's 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 its own it's beast. And I like it. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not one of those people in the camp that say, like, God, for God, I'm definitely not the guy in the camp saying it's better than Gremlins. Gremlins is an all-time classic. Yeah, I've seen someone on Gremlins Trailers from Hell very, say that. very, very good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Um, but yeah, no. So I guess, yeah, it, it, it's, it is... A great sequel mm-hmm. and possibly the only good sequel. Alrighty. Uh, well, the funny thing I've, before we move on to the next mm. is the end title card confuses me a little bit because it says the filmmakers wish to thank the people of Grover's Bend without whose support this motion picture could not have been made. What the fuck are they referring to? Because it's a fictitious place. Yeah. It's Garris it does weird things like that yeah. though, because he does that. He does some. He does you know at the start of Sleepwalk because he's got that whole you know parody yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. opening inscription sort of thing. The I think pseudo, he just likes to, likes to have a little bit of fun, likes to poke. Actually, do you know Mick Garris's wife's in this movie? Oh, is she? Cynthia Garris. Yeah. yeah, she is that alien creature that's like the gigantic head with the tiny you know sort of body and <laughs> that. Yeah. yeah, apparently spent a long time in the makeup chair wow. and the effects for the actual scene images and photos look phenomenal but then of course it's only viewed through that tiny monitor that's all distorted and everything else so you think about these guys these makeup guys that spent hours and obviously her that was sitting in the makeup chair getting all these things done and then it's on screen for such a short period but then it's also so distorted up that you can't really appreciate the the level of detail in it but yeah that was something I only learnt from watching that doco and and I was like wow the film also marks Mick Garris' motion picture debut yeah as a director because at that point in time he had only been a writer and he directed directed episodes episodes of of things like Amazing Stories and stuff like that yeah right I think it's a great debut it's a fantastic debut film like it's a real sort of breakout film what did he go on to do immediately after this that's a fantastic question yeah that's odd because we're we're pretty well versed in, in the universe of Mick Garris um, I mean, there's a good chance that he probably did a King, Stephen King adaptation, but he minded them with Sleepwalkers. Surely Sleepwalkers couldn't have been the next thing he moved into. Sleepwalkers was like... That was his only studio 92. film, yeah. yeah, Sony, yeah. Because that's why I always go, this is kind of a studio film, but it's not. It's like New Line before they became Lord of the Rings that New Line. That feels like you an know? indie film to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Have you got the answer in front of you? I'm, I'm looking it up as we speak because, you know, that's... <laughs> I can feel the air being stretched as <laughs> Jarrett scrolls. Um, it was. Oh, no, yeah, it was. His 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 next theatrical feature was Sleepwalk because he, he did do Psycho 4 at the beginning, which we covered on another podcast, yep. another franchise podcast. He had done that, but that was made for TV. Yes. Um, but so I, would, yeah. I would go so far as to say that Psycho 2 was his second film. Psycho 4. So, sorry, Psycho yeah, 4 yeah, was no, his second no, yeah. film. Yeah, uh, definitely. Well, I mean, for us it was definitely because it wasn't a TV movie for us. For us, it was yeah. we rented the video store, so it was just as good as something to but play in the theatre. But even when you call it a TV movie in the yeah. states at that point in time, that was when they had production value. Most people also in the states would have seen it for the first time on video. Yeah, true. You know, true. television was a big thing in America, yeah, yeah, but yeah. not everyone had access to every network and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So, and obviously prior to directing Critters, we'd done a lot of makings of the thing. Oh, Goonies. totally. Yeah, you know, yeah. The Howling even. He's a real go-to back then. Still is. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. If you're looking for a new Mac product, Emery Cell is the place for you. Don't throw your money away on stupidly expensive Apple gear when Emery Cell provides top-of-the-line, totally refurbished products across the Apple range. Whether you need a new iPhone, iMac, Mac Pro, iPad or other Apple products, visit Emery Cell. And if you're looking to sell your Apple gear for whatever reason... 
Resale can offer a generous price with full data erasure, fast payment and free shipping. Visit Resale's website to see for yourself. Fakeshemp.net uses their products and they wouldn't steer you wrong. Visit mresale.com.au Tune in to the next episode of Rewind and Digress where we track back to 1999 to discuss the largely forgotten zero-turn superhero film, Mystery Men. Look, I think, you know, it was consensual. Okay. Um, but it, well, was, it was pretty weird. Hands down, best digression I've ever <laughs> I know. Oh, man, if you like that one, wait until you hear the one in the next episode of Franchised. Oh, no. <laughs> I've got a good one for you. <laughs> that, Fuck, this is the most confusing digression <laughs> ever. It's like we've really gone down a rabbit hole, but we're not. It's pure darkness. <laughs> we, we, we don't know what we're talking about. No idea. No idea. <laughs> and don't forget to rewind back to previous rad episodes where we discuss such classics as The Last Starfighter, Basketball, Electric Dreams, Tourist Trap, Squirm, and many more. Because you'll never know if you never go. And you'll never shine if you don't glow. After their first visit, you thought they were destroyed. But they returned. After the second encounter, you thought the little menaces were annihilated. But you were wrong. Oh, safe at home. New Line Home Video cracks open a whole new terrifying generation. From the producers of the proven home video successes, Critters 1 and Critters 2 comes an all-new group of havoc-wreaking, fun-loving, Critters 3, you are what they eat. The devilish critters roll into the big city in search of not only a place to call home. Frank, is that you? But a place where they can have their neighbors. It's gotten too quiet out there. I don't like it. For dinner. Stars Critters 1 and 2 veteran Don Opper. Critters 3. What is eating him? Don't forget, Critters 1 and Critters 2 are still available on home video. Critters 3. You are what they eat. Order due date November 26, 1991. Release date December 11th, 1991. Critters 3. Yeah, so this one... Essentially, is most notable because it stars a very young Leonardo DiCaprio making his feature film debut. It was made in 1991. It was shot back to back with Number Four. Mm. They filmed them at the same time. This one was directed by Christine Peterson, who had made a film called Deadly Dreams. She made Body Chemistry and Wait for This. Yep. She also directed Kickboxer Five with Mark Dacascos. Are you serious? I am serious. That is so surreal, dude. Yeah, and the reason that that's surreal is because uh, an upcoming episode of mm. our Rewind and Digress will be talking about. That's crazy. It feels like the last four podcasts that we've done are all interconnected. Boom, boom, boom. Weird. So that is strange. Uh, She was a second unit director previously on Chopping Mall, uh, Reform School Girls, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5. In fact, there's a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street 5 connections to Critters 3. And uh, she was also a second unit director on Tremors. 
Wow. So she, her crossover to horror was fairly natural. And, and the fact that she was like a second unit director on Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That's that's the odd one out, but that's connected that's, to the first film. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Very, very odd. Very small world. Now, the writer of Critters 3, this is the most interesting part because it's David S. Shaw, who you know his face. He pops up on countless retrospective behind-the-scenes documentaries. Right, like, if right. it's a horror behind-the-scenes, he's part of it. Other movies he's written, uh, Chainsaw Massacre 3. Oh, he is constantly... Nightmare on Elm Street 5, he did The Crow. He actually wrote yeah. the first Crow. Yeah. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was the, gin- the beginning. So this is another guy that his pedigree of horror is quite mm. substantial. And yet Critters 3 is just... What is Critters 3? Uh, look, you know, it starts off strong. But the opening of Critters 3, pretty well, let's, strong. Let's talk about the pretty story strong. quickly before we get stuck into it. So it's, yeah. a, it's a pretty silly story. It begins out in the country where Charlie Don Opa is hunting for <laughs> the final critters left on Earth. They happen to lay eggs beneath the Winnebago, uh, and that family of the Winnebago heads back to the city where the critters essentially hatch inside a, an apartment building, and that's the crux of the film. Critters in a building. So Which doesn't sound like it would be that bad. Because, like, I mean, even Troll was all yeah, set within an apartment complex. An urban setting. Could work. Yeah, it's it's a, yeah. like what Leprechaun did, I guess. In yeah. <laughs> I guess that, that is the thing. You take you take the critter out of the city, uh, out of the country and put it in the city. It's already a gamble. You know what Very I mean? much so. And you're working with such a reduced budget because you're doing two films back to back. You know, but yes, we've got this confined setting where we'll set it all within the one apartment building. But I don't know. It was It's a... It was a bold call to begin with mm-hmm. um, in doing it. Um, but for me, the openings where it's really strong, where you have all the families sort of first meet in that park scene and Charlie. And Charlie just pops out of nowhere. Really He's just totally. a weirdo in the Just out bushes. in the woods. It's yeah. like, you know. Hey, kids, want to see something? Yeah, totally. That's what the vibe you get, completely the vibe you get. But he says that to them. Know? He says, you want to see something? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, it's, and, it, and it feels, you know. And they're like, Ugh. okay, Mr. Stranger. <laughs> yeah, we'll follow you into the woods. <laughs> Got any candy? Um... <laughs> But yeah, it's a strong opening for me, it and it really establishes the dynamic between kind of, rich and poor from the get-go. Kind go. of cinematic as well, you know? yeah. I guess. Um, it, but it, it just loses. It falls its apart way. as soon as they get sorted to the city, and as yeah. soon as you identify what the issue is. Okay, so this landlord who you know is running like this slum sort of building, you know, is a tyrant. And he's going to drive the people out, sort of thing. But then, of course, we've got the critter situation happening, yeah. and they're going to work against that. And I don't know. It just, it just, it's just a bit flat. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio is really good in it. Like yeah. you can tell from the get go. Like good, honestly, you watch him, you actor. can tell he's a, like he's going to be something. Yeah. I mean, prior to this, he'd done TV. He'd been yeah. in um, Growing Pains or something like that. One of those shows. Yeah. It wasn't Who's the Boss? Was no, it's it? Growing Pains. Who's Growing Pains? Yeah. Good because it's like if it's Who's the Boss, my mind is going to explode because <laughs> no, we cover that briefly on an upcoming episode <laughs> of Rad. Um, no. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't work. There's no sense of tension. Yeah. The humour in it, it's just completely sort of lost by the time we got it's to the just apartment an odd complex. Film. Look, the thing that really, yeah. right from the start when I was a kid looking at this one, is that this one had an Australian PG rating, mm, right? Mm. So you've got like, when we talk PG with the original, we're talking American PG, right? Which is yep, the equivalent yep. of an Australian M. Yeah, totally. So the first film was edgy, second film was edgy, then this comes along with a PG. Now that happened Very with soft. the House sequel. Yeah. There were a whole lot of things back then. You had movies like Arachnophobia that had a PG rating. And so I was just gravitating towards these as a kid because mm. I could access them easily without having to ask to watch them, True. you know? Yeah. This was a massive letdown. I'm like, what the hell has happened with the critters? I don't totally. recognize this totally. movie. And this was the first one that was a DTV you know, property in Australia, yep. you know, yep. it hadn't gone theatrical. So that's when it turned up at video stores, it was sort of like, that's not a good sign. I've never, 
I didn't know they made a Critters 3 and it's on the new release shelf. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that was like kind of like immediately sort of, you know, the flags. Uh oh. You know, Even the opening off. title card is terrible in this one. Right. Like with that. You remember it's just Critters remember, on yeah. the, the screen, yeah. but then this like weird fat number three with a red spin comes mm, along. It's just terrible. It's I might like be a, making a sandwich. It's like the start of play school. Yeah, you probably right. were. <laughs> I knew what I was in for. So, but yeah. on, on, a, on a positive, this mm. film does feature Frances Bay, who's that classic character actress that was Happy Gilmore's grandmother mm. in the movie mm. Happy Gilmore. But she also popped up through the 80s and 90s in movies like Arachnophobia, In the Mouth of Madness, Blue Velvet, Karate Kid, Single White Female. This mm. was a, a, a staple face. So when she popped up, you're like, Yes. She no. the crazy um, old woman in Karate Kid that lives at the apartment complex? Yes. Or she is, yeah. She is. Yeah. yeah. And and you know from In the Mouth of Madness. In the Mouth of Madness, Madness right? right. I definitely. And I remember Happy Gilmore as well. But yeah. It's just like, I was just thinking back to Karate Kid then because that was probably the longest stretch because it's like 84 and this is yeah. like 92 or something. So I'm like, oh, was it her? Because yeah. you only really see her in a wide shot, not really that And she's in up. a lot of David Lynch right. stuff. Okay, yeah. Interesting. But anyway, I have always struggled with this one it's a hard slog uh, I usually tune out 30 minutes into it and switch off like yeah. this is the first yeah, time in a long yeah. time probably since the first time I saw it that I've made yeah. it all the way through and that was just because I had to it's true it is it's kind of like I just I was into it to begin with and then as it goes on I think my mind went elsewhere and I was like oh god no just pay attention I'm like yeah but why isn't it making me pay attention yeah. I should be really interested if I the gags don't work no. like some of the humor with the critters is just kind of just flat and it's not funny it's just really overt and yeah just if i was I forced to find any positives as well i'd probably just say on this passing i probably found it a little more charming than i remember mm. I think there's mm. a little bit more charm but that's about it um, yeah. and the film ends with sort of a, a mid-credit sequence with the return of ug yeah, terrence man yeah. who sort of leads us into number four when they invaded the box office, they grossed over 15 million. When they hit home video, rentals soared over 8 million. Now, they're ready for a whole new battleground. Critters 4. When these aliens enter space. I wonder what hit this place place wasn't attacked, it was abandoned. Everyone will hear them scream. Bernie? What? Those, um, man-eating hairballs that you do not believe in. Yeah, what about them? I am reading two life forms on your level that could be them. Where? <laughs> Levels 5 through 11 are being sailed due to a Code 9 emergency. Critters 4 stars Brad Dorif, the voice of Child's Play's Chucky and Graveyard Shift. Critters 1 through 3 veterans Don Keith Opper, Terrence Mann, and Twin Peaks' favorite villain, Eric Daire. 10 seconds to detonation. Critters 4. Also available are Critters 1, Critters 2, and Critters 3. In space, they love to hear you scream. New Line Home Video presents Critters 4.
So number four, released in 1992, released four months after part three. Wow. How's that? This one was directed by Rupert Harvey. He had produced all previous installments, and he also produced a lot of other films like The Blob and Pump Classic. Up the Volume, Night on Elm Street 5, there it is again, Excellent. and oddly, Plunkett and McLean. Oh, okay, yeah. That's yeah, weird. Yeah. So this one, this one's strange. Look, I've got to say, and I, I anticipate you're not going to think much of this one either. Mm. I like this one. I do mm. like number four. I don't know why. I think it's strange. I remember watching it for the first time, probably on home video, but it might not have been upon your release. It's probably like a year or two after. Right, okay. Because I remember thinking, well, Brad Dourif and Angela Bassett, how the hell do they get such high-caliber actors right, yeah, yeah. for a number four? True, And then true. you look back, you're like, well, Angela Bassett wasn't she had a household quite, name. Yeah, hadn't become... It was that year yeah. that she did do Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood, right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and then from there on, boom, 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 she became... Yeah, the Tina Turner movie she was yes, in, wasn't what, what she? Yes, got to do with yeah. that. However, Brad Dourif... He was a fairly staple name yeah, at the time. He yeah. was Chucky. He'd done, well, he'd done Exorcist 3 yeah. just prior to that as well. So, you know, this was only a year later. So I just find it absurd that, you know, a number four kind of has has a, a degree of credibility with its True. cast. It also starred Eric DeRay, from, who was Leo in Twin Peaks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was one of the main guys on this spaceship. And we should yeah, mention that that's... number four takes oh, place yeah. in space. Of course. Um, of course. Because at the end of number three, Charlie... Gets trapped inside this module with the critters that have been back into space, and they spend the next what thirty odd years in hyperfreeze, cryogenically yeah, frozen, yeah, yeah. And, and they're um they're thawed out on a spaceship, find themselves in the middle of space. It is strange. It's taking on the whole alien kind of yeah. horror. But we had Leprechaun in space too, so it's true. Jason ended up in space. Was this, was this the first? Um, of, I, this is I think the first. In space, yeah, because it preceded Hellraiser, which may have Hellraiser Bloodline might have been the first one, and yeah. then Leprechaun, and then Jason. But this one wasn't a stretch because they already came. Because there space. was already, yeah, you're right, because you of know. the whole yeah well, we, origin we opened, from space. That's right, we opened yeah. the first film from space. Yeah, so yeah, it wasn't right. a leap, but I kind of liked it. It's a very, very low budget version of Alien, I guess, with furballs running havoc. Yeah, it's got the whole um, Hell Nine Thousand inspired talky computer, mm. and there's a lot of tropes that are borrowed from and it's tongue-in-cheek blah 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 but it is like it is an easy watch it's a very easy watch much easier than three hell yes but like, the fact I'm that surprised. these came back to back how did yeah. they like, how did they shoot them well how did they shoot them but also yeah. how did the quality differ so dramatically dramatic? between the two yeah, films absolutely. yeah it, it's an odd duck I think because the you know they budgeted say the two pictures and then suddenly they were pulling funds from this to that and it was moving and shifting and they were finding out they weren't going to have because um, I think they actually borrowed quite a bit of sets for Critters 4 from another film. I can't remember. Yeah, it must right. have been another New Line production that yep. was being shot around that time or had been shot. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I did watch a documentary on... I think it was actually on Critters 2, but it goes in to talk about Critters 3 and 4 at a point. Um, and that was the thing, you know, how the budget was concerned because they, the projector budget was something and then what was actually delivered was a significantly less and yep. the pressure was on to do these two pitches and they'd brought on a writer to do it and then hired another writer to rewrite it and do whatnot. But I had only, in memory, had seen Critters 4 once. Yep. I was actually not even convinced I had seen Critters 4 when mm -hmm. I put the Blu-ray on. When I put it on, I was like, yeah, I have seen this before. Um and I was like, oh, I just don't remember what I think. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure it's not a great opinion, yeah, given yeah. three. Watched it, and it was a very easy watch. And one of the things I did like about the film, as low a budget as it was, 
um, I thought it did have, and that could be courtesy of another production, really good production design. Yeah. I thought the production design was good. It was lit well so that, you know, you could tell that they didn't have things, but they they made the use of the space and mm. the light so you you weren't 100% and know, had good aware actors. of its value. And, and good performance, good actors. Um, yeah, it was a really easy watch. It's just a shame because you'd think if they only had a little bit more money, what else they could have done and achieved with it. But um, It's a little bit perplexing yeah. too because they had shot them back to back. The number three was that PG family film mm. and this one's instantly R-rated. Yeah. Like it begins yeah. with this pretty awesome shot that's a POV of the crite burrowing its way down a throat. Yeah, right, right, like, right. And, like, and it cuts to like the exterior shot of this furball in the guy's mouth, but then it cuts to inside the throat. Yeah, and yeah, And yeah. like, there's blood everywhere. And it's like, how do you go from, let's do a PG version, but while we're making right, that, we'll yeah. make an R-rated version. I guess maybe, were they trying to market the third one to prepare for the, I don't know. It's, it's such I an, can't work it's it a out. perplexing decision. Or did, did they shoot certain things for both films, try to get three out and see if it would stick with the younger kids. It didn't, and then they went, well, bugger it, let's just go back to what worked. But they four. made them together, so... Oh, yeah, I know, but yeah. what, did they shear, you know, yeah. three down maybe to they make made, it soft, and then they, they made... made three and then they wild. went, we'll keep four as is, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, of course, Don Opper is the one uh, connecting figure through all these, even though Terrence Mann's in it micro briefly. Right, yeah. Um, but Don Opper, I love Don Opper's character. I think he's quite good in all of them. I think yeah, he's sort yeah, of the absolutely. quirkiness. He was actually a second unit director on part four, which oh, is cool. Yeah. I didn't realise that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. And post oh. that, did he go on to... Um... He hasn't done a lot. Right, the last yeah. film he's credited on is Invasion, the um, Albert Pune film. Oh, I loved that. Yeah, that was plays... really cool. That was the single shot one yeah. on the dashboard. Yeah, and that. one of my favourite yeah. Pune films. Very cool um, film. He was... One of the sheriffs in the corner vision, you know, they cut to uh, the, yes, the, yes. the police department up the top, the sheriff's department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those. Right. Guys there. Oh, so cool. Easy performance, but that's the last one he's credited on. Although, yeah, which brings us to the next evolution of critters. Mm. He is credited as an executive producer on the Shutter exclusive, short-lived series Critters: The New Binge. Yeah, right. Which we can't really get too deep into because that hasn't launched in Australia. No, we're still waiting at this point. In it time. is a new eight episode, um, 10 minute episodes, eight of them, which pretty much makes up an entire movie if you watch them back to back. Gross. Um, it is a bit of a relaunch. It stars Gilbert Gottfried, right. Thomas Lennon and Stephen Merchant is in it. Stephen Merchant's in it. He plays the the President Crite. So he's the voice of the president. Christ. Wow, that's so surreal. Yeah, um, it was directed by a guy called Jordan Rubin, who had made Zombievers and another horror film called The Drone. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not much we can get stuck into with this one because we haven't got access no, to it. No, it's true. Is it? Do we know that? Um, obviously, it's it's working within the established universe of critters. It's not like they've tried to. It is reboot yet, it. It, it. It doesn't really connect by reference in the previous okay. one. However, it could. Because it, it doesn't make one way or the other. Like, right, you know, okay. it's, just, it's just the critters come to Earth, wreak havoc again. This one, uh, this storyline kind of works into genetic modification. Okay. You know, human crossbreeding, that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it yeah. kind of works into all that. Right. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how people respond to this, you know, once it hits Australian... No, yeah, I know Shutter's trying to launch down yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it'll be... Hopefully Shutter will be up and ready by the end of the year. I mean, they've got... 
They've got the UK, they've got the US, they've got Canada. So yeah. hopefully well, for we're what not it, far for off. For what it is, the new binge is a bit of an experimental thing. Like I said, it's only sort of an 80-minute duration in total. Right. So it's the kind of thing that's easy to get through. Um, and what are the production values sort of on this thing? Is it comparable to sort of like the uh, Critters... Any of the Critters films? Is no, sort of well, like it's, on... it's all daylight. Oh, okay. Mostly yeah. daylight. Yep. The gore is excellent. Okay. Um, and it's all practical sort of stuff or CGI? Heaps or? and heaps of practical. There's some, there is some very dodgy CGI with spaceships and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, right. But I guess that's comparable to the first film when you saw the spaceships. And yeah. And it was a sort of new puppetry and... Yeah, you know, totally. Yeah, models and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not... It's nothing great, but I think it's um, a worthy addition to the overall franchise. Which brings us to a new film that just came from out of nowhere. It's amazing. Like Critters, 2019 is the year for Critters. Critters Attack yes. is the name of the new film, yeah. uh, which will be released this year. It's um, getting like a global release. Like, yeah. oh, Well, when I say global, I mean we're actually in line with the US release. It comes out in Australia the same week as the United States, which is incredible because who would have thought? <laughs> but yeah. Yep. Well, and the other thing too, is this a direct connection to Critters or is it a brand new relaunch reboot? Yeah. The storyline has the Critters. It says they're back and they're attacking a new town somewhere else in America. Right. Dee Wallace returns, but not as her previous character, as a new one, as far as the trailer leads us to believe anyway. So weird. Uh, this one was directed by a young guy called Bobby Miller, who was a writer, director and producer who worked on who worked for BuzzFeed doing a lot of their stuff. Oh, okay. He right, also right. worked for Rain Wilson's Soul Pancake Company doing a lot of shorts. Right. Um, and his previous feature was called The Cleaner, which starred Angelica Houston, Oliver Platt and Jonathan Galecki. So That's a pretty good cast. He's, you know, he did his yeah. toes in the water. Yeah. He's got a little bit of experience behind him. Um, it's a fully R-rated installment. Whether or not it's a reboot continuation remains to be seen. We'll just have to wait. For my money, I really hope that The Critters becomes the next Tremors in that yep. there's life yep. with these DTV sequels because Tremors are still going they're doing a new yeah. one now and you know well there's hope there's hope for this I mean the writer what's his name Scott Lobdell he, if he's done like Happy Death Day like I mean you know it's not Happy Death Day to you which kind of is crazy in terms yeah. of doing something Insane. new and yeah. really very it, good sequel. but there's hope Yeah, there's hope that something could be kind of cool with this it's just so odd that there's been nothing for Critters like in terms of new films or series or anything since, you know, those last two yeah. in 92 and now, you know, 27 years later. And know? these were made separately from each other. like Independent of one another. It's yeah, amazing it's... how that can even happen. But I mean, it's, it is kind of like, you know, um, a previous franchise we covered on Franchise Child's Play, how we've got the new Child's Play, yeah. which is a brand new film, yeah. you know. But at the same time, the series has been developed. And it's like, with that series comes out... I guess all, out, all the studios are scrambling to find some hot properties from the 80s that we yeah, can just re, rejig. True. Um, Critters will be an interesting one. I hope, in yeah. my heart of hearts, that this is connected to the old franchise. Likewise, likewise. I don't likewise. think it will be. But Donoff is not involved in this one at not all. Not to my knowledge. Mm, um, interesting. Imagine if Charlie came back unannounced. That would be just the That'd best. That would be sweet. That would That'd be, be really cool. Anyway, I guess that brings us to the end of our little Critters binge. It's been fun. I really enjoy this series. I think um, number three is the only real letdown. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Fun. Like, yeah, because having gone back and watched four this time around, you know, I'm sort of on board and I'm, I will revisit it. It's just yep. going to be tricky because yeah. you've got that film in the middle, but you, at least with this franchise, you don't necessarily need to go back to the third. You could just no. skip ahead. And just then if you the, really want to watch the end credits. Around. Yeah, that's it. Do that. Do that. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, thank you for listening. I'll catch you next time, Jared. Oh, this is great. The Easter Bunny with his Tehachapi hanging out. 
give them kids a real education. 